Good evening and welcome. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting at republicbroadcasting.org. Hour two of the broadcast here on this Wednesday, the 31st of January 2024. I'm your host, Richard Carey, and this is Beyond the Official narrative and we have special guest today mr michael sledge and well mike uh as far as looking to the past and what we could learn uh from past i don't know if they're always uh, resets sometimes just declines of civilizations that are uh, engineered there's not much uh, data on Atlantis, so I don't know if we can learn uh, all that much detail there. I mean, what about the the Ottoman Empire, for example? You know, the fall of the Ottoman Empire. I mean, that was certainly a significant shift. And that would be a, a reset of sorts, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we could argue that uh, Europe post-World War II would be a reset, <laughs> you know? What? what? What they've done uh, with uh, the Barber Specters and the Clergy Plan and all this kind of stuff, and the uh, the uh, the bringing in of Muslim populations and these kind of things into Europe. But you know, going back to your Atlantis uh, 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 statement, um, well, I've been listening to a lot of uh, people on BitChute <laughs> that claim that Jislaine uh, Maxwell was a submarine, uh, you know, operator. She had a submarine, and that. Uh, that Epstein Island was, you know, connected to the Bermuda Triangle and Atlantis was over there. And uh, they were uh, really, it wasn't really about a sex slavery ring as much as it was about uh, uh, mapping genetic codes to try to bring in the new race uh, that was the race of the old Atlantis. <laughs> and this is what they were doing on Epstein Island. You haven't heard this, man? <laughs> oh, wow. So, but, but. No, but and this makes me think again of, um, yeah. I mean, we've heard this discussed a little bit on RBN recently. You've, you know about that documentary about the mud flood. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, that's suggesting, you know, basically that there's this whole history uh, that is actually distorted. I mean, in that, that, that the history we're taught, the timeline is, is not accurate. I don't know. It's curious. I mean, it goes into a lot of different directions in it. I, I, I honestly have never been able to get through the entire thing. It's what, it's four hours or, or six hours, I want to say. You but, know, I always fall asleep before I can get through the whole thing. You know? uh, the guy's but, voice, the guy's voice, though, it just, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, pri- they priceless. Came in to destroy the Tartarians. The Tartarians were the ones that built civilization. Then they were wiped out with the radical mud flood that brought in the orphan trains to the world's fairs. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, that's pretty much how it sounds, the documentary, by the way. Um, but, but, but is there some, are there some serious points you could make uh, about that topic? Well, look, I think there's truth in it, but the problem is, is that I think they push crazy, kooky, out of the ballpark conspiracy theories to really discredit just the true facts of those situations. Let's just say there was some kind of 
destruction, environmental destruction that occurred that wasn't recorded, that was covered up, kind of like Maui, right? I mean, you know, I mean, look, look, look how Maui's being covered up, right? The fires over there uh, in Hawaii, right? Wherever it happened at, and that where it happened, so somewhere like that. But uh, yeah, Hawaii. So look at look, you know, that's being covered up. And it's already basically been memory hold already. I don't even hear very many people in the alternative media talking about it anymore. That's gone. So it could easily, uh, you know, been covered up. There could have been some kind of cataclysm that wiped out large portions of this country, for instance, uh, cities uh, that uh, flooded cities, put cities under underground, had buildings uh, sink underground, or, or, or there could have been a mud flood that covered everything up. And then we have what's interesting, all these so-called fires, the Chicago fire, the San Francisco fire, the Atlanta, you know, Sherman's March that burned down a lot of Atlanta. Uh, all of this, all of those cities were cities that still had a lot of remaining architecture that was not, uh, quote unquote, buried by the mud floods and these kind of things. And there were these fires that were blamed on this, that and the other, you know, basically many people believe that have researched this to get rid of architecture that they didn't want us to have anymore. And so, look, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I mean, I could easily see them covering up, just rewriting history. Look, I mean, they rewrote World War II, which was just a little over 100 years ago. And, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, most people today will, you know, believe the hollow hoax. They believe, you know, the mainstream narrative today on World War II, which is a total lie. Most people today believe the narrative on the war of northern aggression, which is a total lie. I mean, so it wouldn't be hard to cover up history from, say, you know, 200-something years ago. You know what I mean? So let's just say they, there, there was some kind of cataclysmic event, and they brought in all these orphans from all over the place to repopulate cities that have been decimated. I believe that potentially could very be tr uh, very well be true. And that gets me back to the International Order of Oddfellows, which was, so you have these orphans that are then adopted mainly into these uh, big-time bloodline families, and then they're brought into the secret societies, they're brought into the mystery schools, and then they create the International Order of Oddfellows, a Freemasonic group for these, these orphans to get into at a very young age, to be taught the mystery school religions, all this kind of stuff, and then they're groomed into being the new leaders of a new country, post-cataclysm, post-mud flood, if you will. I find that very possible, you know? And going back to my example in the first hour, Barack Obama, for instance. I mean, you know, nobody really knows where he came from. I mean, does anybody know where Ramaswamy really comes from? I mean, there's all these weird figures that are popping up that are potential future leaders, and no one really knows their history. And if you research their history, it's very hard to find. So uh, I think, you know, the International Order of Oddfellows, which I haven't heard hardly anybody talk about when they do talk about the mud flood or the orphan trains, I think that really is the glue that holds the whole theory together in that there was a cataclysmic event Whatever it is, I don't know exactly. I don't think anybody knows exactly what it was, but it was very catastrophic. They had to repopulate areas of the country, and uh, they brought in these orphans. They were then brought into these Masonic families, and uh, 
uh, International Order of Fellows. They, they, they groomed them into being new leaders, and here we are today. You know, so, like I said, the truth always lies somewhere in the middle, Richard, you know? And so, I mean, we've had this, well, we brought an esoteric theme in today, and we're talking about yeah. multiple resets uh, throughout history, the MO, if you will, of, of what actually does and doesn't um, need to take place in these. I don't know, is there anything else you'd like to uh, go into with the listeners in this segment? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, just, want, I just want to reiterate that I do think it's interesting that Albert Pike became the leader of the International Order of Odd Fellows, then went on to run the Scottish Rite, uh, you know, be probably one of the most powerful Masonic figures in this, uh, you know, in, in this part of the world, along with Giuseppe Mazzini uh, of Italy, uh, in, in Europe. And uh, so, you know, I think there's this very interesting, and I think the World Economic Forum's Young Leadership Program is very similar. The grooming process is very similar to what they did with the Odd Fellow uh, Secret Society in grooming future leaders. And I think it's easier to do it with, uh, with orphans and people from broken homes. Look, most of our, le- our leaders are uh, in modern times, Bill Clinton, Obama. I mean, Bill Clinton came from a horrible background. His mother was a prostitute in Hot Springs. No one really knows who his dad was. I mean, people believe his dad was uh, uh, Governor Rockefeller of Arkansas, I believe uh, uh, a Winthrop Rockefeller. Uh, so many people believe he might even be a Rockefeller, but no one really knows Clinton's real past family history. No one really knows Obama's, you know. And it's the same thing. This is the odd fellows, the the grooming, the the young economic leaders of the future, the new people to be the new puppet politicians, the new face. Uh, and now we see they're bringing in the new face, uh, a browner face, for uh, the newest Great Reset. That's pretty much it. Well, and there might not be some big cataclysmic economic moment. Uh, I Yes, I mean, I've speculated on this as well. Uh, in what this great reset has to con- consist of in coming years, uh, certainly in the next couple of years. I mean, we see, though, it's just a trend that's going to continue because of all the, the money they printed where they're going to continue to have the prices of everything go up, but they're continuing to push wages down even further, which is insane. I mean, they've been doing this for like 40 years. But with all of this, all this brown fresh labor, uh, illegal labor getting constantly pumped into the country, they're still able to get away with it. So, I mean, it's just going to be a gradual disintegration of the middle class more and more, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there will be, at the end of the day, there, there will be no middle class. There'll be uh, the peasant class. This is really a neo-feudalist system with the, you know, a computerized neo-feudalist system is really what it is. And there'll be people living in cubicles in their little... Uh, boxes and they'll be working their jobs in 15 minute cities you know which you know every major city already is a 15 minute city you know within 15 minutes you can walk to all the same crap that's in every major city you know and uh, but it's uh there'll be no middle class there'll be no subdivisions and housing like we see from our generation it'll be more and more apartment complexes more and more rental properties more and more uh, prop, uh, uh, houses with uh, several different, you know, families living in them, you know, renting out rooms, which is what they're already doing in many houses and suburbs now. So this is the future economy. 
and they know that uh, that uh, white the values of white Western civilization have to be eradicated uh, uh, and marginalized as much as possible because, uh, frankly, that's not the standard that we want to live by. And uh, but they know that uh, a new browner uh, uh, worker bee race from uh, third world populations in particular are the perfect uh, people to indoctrinate and to, uh, uh, you know, repopulate the West with for uh, the new economic system. Absolutely. And some people, of course, try to say that it's the immigration is all about the wages and, you know, keeping uh, the system for the status quo uh, happy, uh, regardless of how much money printing is just, just keep uh, cheap labor uh, more possible uh, because of that, that or that we're what, not reproducing. White people aren't reproducing, so we need to bring in uh, more fresh bodies. Uh, just others say because of even just the loans, foreign loans, uh, you know, you want to have a certain population in the country and that that's, a, I mean, sure, maybe some of those things, uh, all of those things affect various factors, but certainly there's the white genocide. No one can uh, say that they aren't trying to uh, reduce the white populations as fast as possible. Uh, and of course, to dispossess them, you know, psychologically to, to get them to feel like a guest in their own nation's. As, as soon as possible on a grand scale. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it's certainly not like just about the labor, you know, oh, you know, we need people for the jobs or, or the, uh, you know, I, I mean, what, what do you see as uh, what could, are, are there any surprises we could expect in the near future? You don't see an economic, you don't see on the war front uh, too much, uh, you know, that would develop, that would change our way of life, I take it. No, but. I really don't. I mean, I think that uh, right now they're pushing, like I said earlier, they're pushing conflict. They're pushing orchestrated chaos so they can bring the new system out of the chaos, the phoenix rising out of the ashes, if you will, out of the destruction. But it's a controlled demolition, a controlled destruction. It's not like uh, what happened with Germany in World War II, who, who literally was outside of their parameters that uh, Germany was, the NSDAP. I don't see that today. I think that all these countries are controlled. I think it would be impossible to have a world war like we had then, uh, particularly with China. I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, you know, cut off uh, all the goods coming from China into Walmart, and they're going to cut off all the components they make for our military uh, weaponry, our aircraft? <laughs> I mean, it'd be you know, it's impossible. You know, what are we going to do? You know, we have a space alliance with uh, Russia. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have all kinds of things happening that the world is so interconnected at this point that I think it's impossible to have a world war, a world war like we had in the past. But I think it's possible to have orchestrated limited warfare. Look, I think that eventually they'll come up with a peace process for the, all the conflicts taking place not only in the Middle East, but with the Russia-Ukraine situation as well. I've talked about this with you many times. I think this will end uh, when they feel like they've consolidated enough wealth and power, and they've, again, moved, moved populations. Let's look at Ukraine, for instance. They basically moved out of Ukraine the Ukrainian population, or a large portion of it, 
push them out, that means they're planning on bringing a new population in. Again, transfer of wealth and transference of populations. So we see a real reset happening in Ukraine right now through that conflict. And uh, it's the same thing in Gaza. They're pushing out and or killing or eradicating genocide of an entire population. The Palestinians in Gaza, well, they're being pushed out. That means they're going to move something in, and we know who they're going to move in there. So, but I do think overall, they'll have, from out of the chaos, there'll be a plan, and it'll be a plan that the, that the majority of the population globally will accept and move forward with. And, and, and frankly, people are so worn out right now uh, that I talk to. They're so worn out. They're so stressed out, they will settle for anything that seems like no- this back to normalcy. They will settle for anything that seems like it's going to be stable. They will accept it. And I think that's the whole point. They're bringing just enough chaos to make what they're pushing forth palatable. And I see we have Mr. David Scorpio uh, here with us now. So, uh, David, uh, at least you caught maybe the tail end of this here. Uh, welcome, first of all. A good evening, sir. Oh, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, sorry for being late. Uh, could not be avoided, though. Yeah, I caught the. I've been listening to the, to the conversation there with Mike. Uh, good stuff as always. And uh, Mike made a great point about Ukraine that uh, the, the mainstream media is is even admitting that they've moved out roughly a quarter of the Ukrainian population. So it could be higher than that. They're admitting. One out of four people left, the, fled the country from the war. And we don't even know really how many people were killed. Some estimates are as high as 500,000. So, uh, yeah, uh, both Mike and I have been saying this since the beginning, that the plan was to replace the population and then turn Ukraine into a, a, a vassal state of the West, uh, complete with you know Las Vegas-style casinos and uh, all types of debauchery and um, cheap women. Now, whatever you want, as long as you can pay for it, you can have it. That's uh, that's what Ukraine's going to become. And uh, people are so focused on Russia winning the war. Russia, oh, Russia's going to win the war any day now. It's been going on for two years. But the, the point isn't to win the war. It's to transform the country. Who wins the war exactly isn't really even important. Uh, whether or not they lose two provinces out of Ukraine, that's not part really an important thing for the big picture. Mike? Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, excellent points, David. And uh, look, you know, you know, that is, you know, that is a that is a great reset in Ukraine, you know, and what's happening here is a great reset. Look, in three years, there's been an estimated eight to 10 million illegals that have crossed over that border in the last three years. I say it's higher. They keep on saying 22 million. It's been 22 million now for like 20 years. It's more like 40, 50 million in total, that they brought over here from other countries uh, into this country to repopulate this country because the uh, white Western people, the white population of this country, are basically at zero population growth. We're not reproducing fast enough. And uh, so there doesn't even need to be a great catastrophe. The catastrophe was zero population growth being pushed on white Western civilization and not being pushed in other parts of the world for us to be repopulated with those third world populations. And that's exactly what they're doing. So they don't need a much, well, 
this is a new mud flood, I guess you could say, <laughs> of a different kind. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to. Oh, uh, David, can you top that? <laughs> but uh, no, no, uh, seriously, I mean, also, I'm wondering, uh, Scorpio, I, you heard like what I was trying to get into with Mike in the first hour, a lot of this more esoteric and historical stuff. I mean, w- w- were there some points that you wanted to bring up that maybe I didn't uh, touch on a present, uh, think of to present to Mike uh, for his his comments? Well, if you're referring to the mud flood uh, thing, I thought Mike covered that pretty well, uh, uh, connecting with the International Order of Odd Fellows and the secret societies that have been running something that we weren't told about. There's there's a lot of unanswered questions with this. I don't claim to have all the answers about esoteric things like this, but I think Mike made a good point in that something happened that we were not told about. It could have been a catastrophe. It could have been a wipeout of population uh, and then repopulating. This is what they're doing today. So there's a lot of similarities uh, and there's a lot of blank spaces when you go back, you know, a couple hundred years. Mr. Sledge? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, but, you know, like I said earlier, I think, you know, people always concentrate on the transfer of wealth. It, uh, it, it, in times of crises, you know, orchestrated crises, but they really don't focus on population transfers. And, you know, that's what makes, you know, the mud flow story so interesting and the orphan train story so interesting because we see, you know, new populations being moved into parts of the country uh, that had been uh, wiped out or abandoned. I mean, look, you can look at pictures from like San Francisco back in those days and there's nobody in the streets, but there's there's these huge cities like San Francisco, Chicago, uh, all these places, and there's nobody there in the pictures. You know, and there's horse and buggies going through these streets with these huge structures, nobody there. And then all of a sudden, post orphan trains and all this, we see these these uh, all these cities repopulated with a new population. And look, uh, a lot of people. I know they've tried to trace their genealogy and their family history. Uh, they thought they their family roots went back a long, long time in this country. Very few people are able to go back further. Very few can go back further than like eight the eighteen twenties or late seventeen hundreds. You know, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it really is. So, look, I think that's what we're seeing now. Is we're seeing look when we all die off or whatever happens to our people, uh, you know, uh, European people, uh, and this new uh, race emerges that's being pushed through, uh, you know, the uh, miscegenation that's taking place, frankly, for lack of a better word, uh, it's being pushed by uh, the global system. Uh, we're all wiped out. There'll be a whole new race here in the next hundred years. I mean, that's where we're headed. And, you know, this country already looks completely different from when it looked even 50 years ago, even 20 years ago, Europe does as well. So, I mean, can you imagine what this place really looked like, say, 200 years ago? Yeah, I agree with David Scorpio. I think we've been totally lied to. I think we've been totally lied to on the history completely. Well, David, where would you like to take it from there? Well, yeah, that's uh, a good point. And 
you know, in so many of these uh, cities, like Mike brought up San Francisco, uh, according to the timeline, you know, San Francisco was really a, a nothing town until the gold rush. And then 20 years later, you've got these massive structures built. Uh, and the timing just isn't possible to have built those buildings in that short amount of time, especially with, you know, it's not like they had modern technology and um, power tools and cranes to lift things. So uh, the same thing happened with the uh, when the Mormons went to Utah. They get to Utah, and then literally within a couple of years, they're building these enormous structures. And you think about trying to settle a new land, you're trying to cover your, your ass, for lack of a better term. You're trying to get some shelter, some food, and get your basics required uh, that you need to live. Yet they were building these enormous buildings and, uh, you know, a, a temple uh, out of solid stone block within a couple of years. The, the timing just does not add up, and neither does the technology or the ability to build these things so rapidly. There's a lot of questions, guys. Yeah, but no, even even what they talk about with technology for architecture in Europe, I mean, a lot of these buildings with the huge stone columns and stone uh you know, cubicle structure. I mean, you know, just how could you possibly, and, and no, people don't really ever really think about how they were built when we're told how old they are and, and what we know of from, um, you know, when we went into the industrial age and, and that sort of thing. Well, absolutely. Uh, you, you look at the idea that they were building these buildings out of solid stone blocks and then carrying the blocks run on horse and buggies and the roads weren't even paved and they had dirt roads, but we we're building these structures that are superior to anything that we can build or are willing to build today, I should say, because with our current economic system, building things that are beautiful uh, really aren't worth it because it, the, the, it doesn't pay enough money. Everything's about money. And uh, I, I really see another thing that's happening is that the beauty and uh, is being sort of, uh, taken out of our society. You look at the newer cars, they're really not, most of them look all the same. We're, get, we're getting surrounded by these uh, ugly skyscrapers that look like giant uh, tombstones, basically, with no soul, this soul-sucking uh, appearance, no, no beauty, no, uh, no state of awe when you view them. That's being removed from our society, and I think for a very good reason, to sort of take our society down a level to a more slave-like and manageable uh, place rather than a, a, a society of growth and beauty and, and amazement and, and um, progression in terms of uh, people's spiritual growth, I would say. This is all designed to slow or stop all of those things. Mike, would you like to add to that? Yeah, and this has been going on for quite some time. I mean, let, let's just look at... Uh, the burning of Alexandria Library, the burning of Rome, okay? These these are all resets and covering up of history. Uh, going back to what Scorpio just said about, uh, you know, uh, Joseph Smith and, uh, you know, the Mormons. Uh, going back to the Odd Fellows, Mormonism is basically a branch of Freemasonry, by the way. When you go through the endowment ceremony, you become a master mason. It's basically the first three degrees, the endowment ceremony of masonry. Um, there's a great book called Mormonism, Masonry Beyond the Light, which gets into that. So this in this idea, and that would have been the perfect group, the perfect 
mystery school cult to cover up the history that was already that already existed in Salt Lake. There's no way they built those massive structures, Joseph Smith and the clan <laughs> that he came with. It's impossible. So, but we see this time and time again, and it looks to me like the purpose of these uh, secret fraternities was basically to cover up history that had been destroyed to bring in uh, resets of the past. I think we may have uh, scraped up a few callers with some possibly good comments to bounce off you two gentlemen. Stick around and we'll be right back. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Charles de Gaulle once said, actually, it's difficult to envision in this regard any other criterion, any other standard than gold. Yes, gold, which does not change in nature, which can be made into either bars, ingots, or coins, which has no nationality, and which is considered in all places and all times the immutable and judiciary value par excellence. So when the question is, why gold? It's simple, my friends. The answer to that question is simply, why not? Like it or not, precious metals will always be the world's reserve currency, even though nations do not define their currency by their worth and say gold. Individuals still buy gold and silver to protect themselves from inflation. The more money a nation's central bank pours into the economy, the less value its currency, the dollar is, which means the price of everything else rises. $21 up for a bag of dog food, seeing that the dollar is cheap. That's why the cost of everything goes up. It's because the buying power, the value of the dollar is tanked. It's worth nothing. And the gold that your family would have owned in 1907 will buy at least the same amount of goods, if not far more. William McPhee once stated, it's extraordinary how many emotional storms one may weather in safety if one is ballasted with ever so little gold. The truth about money, gold versus cash in a crisis. Gold, a valuable thing to store. The power of gold in times of crisis. Historical sketch of paper currency. Oh, and beware the Ides of Rare Coin Dealers and Alan Greenspan's speech on gold and economic freedom. How interesting. I'm going to give you gold and silver in five easy lessons. Seeking out the most efficient and most secure route to owning gold and converting it into widely accepted currency is the next best thing to enjoying gold-backed currency, my friends. In a world of central bankers hell-bent on devaluing our savings, you need to own private gold standard. Contact me, Jeffrey Bennett at Kettle Moraine Limited, by calling our phone number at 602-799-8214. That's 602-799-8214. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. 
Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. back folks beyond the official narrative here on republic broadcasting richard carey here with wednesday co-host david scorpio and guest michael sledge i just want to remind you folks to please help out rbn and we had a particularly uh, tough time uh, this past month we got hit with the uh biannual uh, server uh, fees uh, so it was like an additional, what, 2000 in addition to to other monthlies. And, uh, you know, it's just been a little rough even trying to keep the staff, uh, board ops paid, uh, frankly, at the moment and, and, and get the bills covered here. I mean, if you guys could out there help. We do also have a, a special offer uh, drawing going on where a lucky winner of – People who are willing to donate $250 or more right now, there will be, uh, in a, if your name uh, is so you wish uh, it be, if your name is chosen in the drawing, you will receive a custom-made Confederate battle flag quilt, courtesy of Mr. Michael Gaddy and uh, affiliates. And so this is, well, certainly going to be a, a lot of work on the part of the person making it. it certainly is worth far more uh, than that. But if November through the end of January here, you were one who had in total uh, donated 250, you could, you know, make sure to let people know you'd like your name in the drawing, uh, which is going to be at the end of January here. But uh, please go to republicbroadcasting.org and uh, help us out on that donate page. Plenty of ways you can donate, or you could call 800-724-2719, extension 3, and we do appreciate it. Before we go to callers, uh, any other uh, points you gentlemen would like to make on the uh, topics today? Uh, Scorpio, uh, since you got here late, uh, you first, sir. Well, uh, yeah, I think Mike made some good points uh, just about the impossibility of, of the timeline and some of this stuff. And there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Uh, I don't seem to have all the answers, but I think people need to look at this with an open mind and uh, just think about how rugged it would be to try to settle into Utah up in the mountains there. I mean, that's rugged territory. There was nothing around. So it's not, it's not like there was a rock quarry. They were able to cut these rocks from easily. And um, I, I think, it's a good point he made, too, that the Freemasons, they had to use 
a group of people who were connected to a secret society that knew how to keep secrets to found that area because they probably found all kinds of things when they first got there that they don't want the public to know about. And that's where Freemasonry came in. I don't think it's an accident, but it just happened to be Freemasons that came in there and settled that area. Mike? It was the Mormon magic underwear. That's what made them. It gave them strength to build those great structures, Scorpio. It was the Mormon underwear, the magic underwear that did it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, gentlemen, let's see if... uh we have some callers with some interesting uh, comments for you. First, I see Bill in Kentucky. Uh, Bill, uh, welcome. What's on your mind? Uh, yes. Uh, good evening, everybody. And I, I, I came one little calling uh, Mr. Sledge, Percy Sledge, but I, I had to catch myself on that one. But uh, no, anyway, I have two entirely different points. Uh, one, I live in eastern Kentucky. In eastern Kentucky, eastern Tennessee, and southwest Virginia, there, are, there there's a mystery of its own there. Have you, have you ever heard of the Melungeon people? The Melungeons? Mike, you're I in Georgia. Had, no, no. I've never heard of it, no. Okay. Yeah, the Melungeons, there are people, they, I, I, don't, I might even have a little bit of ancestry from them. I'm one-fourth. Indian or Native American, I hate saying, I hardly ever say Indian anymore, because usually when you say Indian anymore, you think of those guys across the ocean from from the Punjab, but but that, that's why we say Native American, I'm not a particularly politically correct person, but but at any rate, I'm, I'm three-fourths white, one-fourth Native American, a Cherokee with some Shawnee and Powhatan, but at any rate, the, the Melungeons are people that came into the southern Appalachian region, and they don't know what their ancestry is. They can't go back more than so many generations for most part. They, Some of their DNA, when they've done samples on there, a lot of times they're mixed white with Native American and maybe black or Middle Eastern or, or something like that, like Turkish or, or uh, Arab or Muslim of some kind, but they're but uh, and I might have a little bit of that ancestry myself, but but I was just wondering, you know, when you were talking about mysteries like like pyramids and that stuff, that's kind of our own little Appalachian, if you want to say it, hillbilly mystery here. And I just was wondering what your all's comment was on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. By the way, I need to look into more of that. Thanks for the call, man. I've never heard of that, but I'm going to start looking into it, man. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay. Yeah, like y'all, Melungeons, me. L U N G E O N, I believe. I hope I didn't misspell that. Okay. And the other point I awesome. wanted to make. Okay, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt somebody. No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, a, a, a little. This kind of somewhat ties in what you guys are talking about. Pala, Palestine. The name itself. This is kind of a weird uh, coincidence. It seems like. A, well, like all the turmoil and all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East right now, Palestine, and then you've got East, they say Palestine instead of Palestine, but you got East Palestine, Ohio, what happened there. And then a few years back when one of those space shuttles, you know, it, it supposedly went down over a Palestine, Texas. So I don't, I mean, that's, I know that's probably just weird coincidences, but it seems like the the poor word Palestine is like bad luck or something. 
Oh, uh, David, did you want to comment on anything the caller brought up? Uh, now, David, you know, muted. Any coincidence? That may just be coincidences, but you know all that. And there could seem like there's another reference to Palestine somewhere else that some really bad something happened, but yeah. I can't remember what it is. But it seems like that's kind of a sad kind name of, in a way. Yeah, yeah. But kind of getting into what you're talking about with the Melungeon people, whatever you were saying they were called. Uh, it's kind of similar. You know, I did a whole show a couple years ago on. Uh, the true history of the American Indians and how a lot of the chiefs of Indian tribes were actually Europeans, uh, particularly the Creek Indians, uh, which were down here in southern Georgia where I'm at, uh, actually had uh, Kennard that was uh, uh, an Indian chief of the Creek Indians, and he was actually Scottish royalty uh, that uh, actually became an Indian chief of the Creek Indian tribe. And a lot of uh, white slaves that were slaves and indentured servants prior to the uh, African slave trade being brought here actually uh, uh, escaped slavery on some of the plantations and joined in with uh, Indian tribes and became uh, high up leaders, if not even chiefs of many of the tribes, uh, to actually fight against uh, the tyranny that was taking place here prior to the uh, American Revolution. So. There's a long history of actually royalty uh, uh, becoming uh, leadership in, in uh, leadership positions uh, in a lot of uh, American Indian tribes back in the day. I did a whole show, and that's very interesting. Um, so I need to look into what you're talking about because I'm sure it probably connects to the earlier research I already did, and I'm glad you brought it up because that's a whole new uh, Pandora's box I can look into now, man. So and, I really and, and, and David is on the other side of the yeah. country, Southern California. So I don't know, David, uh, what are your comments uh, regarding the caller? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't think it's an accident that they, that they want to have negative things associated with Palestine. I, I do not think that's an accident. I think that's on purpose. Um, but, you know, if you look at uh, just across the way from where you are there in Ohio, uh, you've got the Mound Builders. And uh, some very mysterious monuments that uh, I do not believe, and many people do not believe, were were built by Native Americans. Uh, and a lot of these structures are said to actually have the bones of giants inside of them. And, you know, that's why you're not allowed to dig them up or do any research on them. And then, you know, throughout different parts of the Midwest, there, there are these rock formations uh, that have been uh, discovered that, uh, appear to have been made by someone, and again, the Native Americans did not work in stone or build monuments that that we know of. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's, I'll tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say oh, one no, more thing, ahead. and I'll, I'll please. I'll leave yes, you guys alone. There was like a, a, one of the Cher one of the chiefs of the Cherokee was a white man. His name Smith. I forget what it. I can, may may not be a Smith. It, he was a. It was uh, he was a Confederate, not a Union, but Confederate general during the Civil War. He, yet, yet uh, no Thomas. It was Will Thomas. That's it. Thomas Legion down in North Carolina and Tennessee, and I think they in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, they captured a, a Union uh, regiment so they could surrender to him when the war was over, which is kind of weird. But he was a he was a white man, a white he was a white kid that was I, I think he was orphaned and he lived in the area around North Cherokee, North Carolina, where the reservation was. And and the 
local chief, and one of the chiefs there adopted him as as his son. You know, just and, as which means he and and so, and he grew up and and he never forgot that. In fact, he lived among them and, and became their chief later on. But yeah, that's all sure. I mentioned about oh, that. Absolutely. So. absolutely, great point, and that goes back to what I was talking about. I did a show uh, about three and a half, four years ago on the connection between uh, Europeans who became uh, chiefs of Indian tribes. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, a lot of the uh, indentured servants or white slavery that existed prior to the African slave trade that was brought here, uh, a lot of them that uh, left the plantations formed militias and formed tribes that, that were labeled as Indian tribes but really were actually white slaves that had formed militias against the uh, the ruling class at the time uh, and to, 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 to bring war against them, but they were labeled as Indians. Uh, and so there's a lot of history that's really interesting in this connection that you brought up. And, yeah, that's a great point you made. And there were many of these chiefs. That was just one that you mentioned, but uh, I don't have the, my old notes in front of me. But, yeah, I could really get into that history again. Uh a lot of what are called Indians in our history books today were not even Indians. They were actually uh, white slaves that uh, had, had formed groups and tribes and militias to actually go against the plantation owners uh, that they uh, left. It's very interesting history. Yeah, that's another part of history that's been totally covered up. Yep. David? Yeah, and uh, you know, it's a very good point, Mike. People should remember that the first slaves brought to America were all white. They weren't black. A lot of people don't know that. And that's important to remember. And, of course, another mystery in America, too, are the uh, copper mines around the Great Lakes region uh, of, of Michigan. Somebody was mining massive amounts of copper there, uh, and it wasn't the Indians. And a lot of people believe that the Vikings went there and were mining copper and bringing it back to, to uh, various parts of Europe uh, and making superior weapons to everyone else with it. I know that around Great. Nova Scotia Newfoundland or New Brunswick, somewhere around there. Did you have Viking settlements? I mean, they were way before Columbus, and they intermarried and interacted with the Native American people. Is it, am I right about that? Didn't there, wasn't there like Viking settlements around there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and that's pretty much established history at this point. The mainstream uh, won't talk about it very much, but if you talk to you know, Ivy League professors and this kind of thing behind the scenes, it's basically admitted behind the scenes in our top colleges and universities. That is basically, uh, you know, a true history at this point and accepted history by the intelligentsia class today behind the scenes. That is a fact, what you just said. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, fellas, I appreciate it. I want you all to have a great evening there. Hey, you okay. too, man. Yeah, great call, Bill in Kentucky. I appreciate it. And let's go to Andy in Texas. Andy. Well, hey, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, uh, the Rothschilds are famously said, or Lord Rothschild has famously said, give me control of any uh, country's monetary system, and I care not who makes the laws. And essentially, that's what we're under right now. I mean, let's give this a little bit of thought. If you got control of a country's monetary system and we had a way of never having you audited, what could you do with the monetary system? And there, therein lies how we got here, I think. Uh, 
because the monetary system has been flaunted, okay? So in 1913, Woodrow Wilson gave it away. In 1933, Roosevelt gave away the gold standard three-quarters of the way. In 1971, when we're reaching that golden age of digital, and, you know, they got the technology several years before we do, so they probably had it in 1971. And we go off the gold standard complete. Now we have a fiat currency and no way to audit the system. So these people can be audited and they, they, they can they can print as much money as they want. Well, up until they didn't have to print it, now it becomes just a push on a, a keyboard, especially why they, you know, once they got the internet up and running, and you can bet they had their own internet up and running prior to us getting our internet as we know it. So let's just think about this for a minute. We went from uh, Hughes was the first millionaire, so they told us, then John Paul Getty was the first billionaire, and then we went on from there. So if they own the monetary system, and uh, we have a $34 trillion deficit, or so they're telling us, and then you've got Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street, who have a combined assets of $22 trillion, that means we've been printing a lot of money. And so if these people are existing, they probably own the billionaires as well, the, the Bill Gates, the Ted Turners, the Elon Musk, you know, and all these well, sure, people are sure. self-made. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I have, to wonder, I have to wonder, though, I mean, you mentioned allegedly, uh, as far as the, the timeline of what did you say, uh, Getty uh, being the first? John Andy? Paul Getty, yeah, it was, he, yeah, he was in the early '80s. John Paul Getty came out as being one of the, was the first billionaire, as if he made the first billion but, dollar. Okay, but when you think of like the Rothschild family, surely I would have to imagine that oh, they already. Yeah, no. But uh, guys, David, guys, it sounds like David here wanted to uh, wanted to comment. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think there's a lot of good points uh, coming up here, um, but remember, there are trillionaires. The, the Rothschilds are most likely trillionaires now, and I, I would recommend if the uh, caller is interested, get the book The Great Red Dragon. Uh, it was written in uh, the turn of the century, 1890, and he talks about, at that time, that all of the richest people in the world were under control of this cabal, and that when they died, their money is recycled back into the pot, so to speak, of the cabal. So um, these people are controlled. That's why Bill Gates, he actually said that uh, when he, by the time he's dead, all this money will have been uh, used in, in, into the charities. They use these charit charities and, and charitable trusts to launder the money and recycle it because the, the people that supposedly own it aren't actually the owners. And just one last thing. The, it's it's actually admitted that 80% of the money already in circulation is digital, not cash. Only about 20% of the money in circulation now is cash. Mr. Sludge? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say the same thing. Yeah, the Great Red Dragon, as, as Scorpio just brought up, is very important because uh, basically your billionaire class, your Musk, your, your, these type of people uh, are just fronts. They're just really... Uh, front actors for uh, the elites and the bloodlines behind that, and they're actually uh, given money to get where they're at by the elite bloodlines that are behind them uh, to be on front street. So the people that really run the, everything uh, hide behind the puppets that they put out, and that's what your billionaire class is. 
And when they die, going back to the book, The Great Red Dragon, when they die, a lot of their money goes into these philanthropic organizations and it's funneled back into the very same families that financed them to start out with in the first place. And so it's a very important point the Scorpio made about that book, The Great Red Dragon. It's a must read and you'll really understand uh, how the front, uh, your Donald Trump's, your Elon Musk. Uh, all these people are just fronts for the bloodlines behind them, and they're actually given money by these families to become uh, wealthy and to uh, be the public face of wealth when really they really don't control anything. They're, they're basically just actors, if you will, just like the politician class. Oh, great call from Andy and great points, gentlemen. Well, let's go to Mike in Kentucky. Uh, Mike, what's on your mind, sir? Bill in Kentucky left out one thing about those uh, Malunchians that uh, kind of is a plausible theory. There was a uh, Portuguese expedition into North Carolina, I think it was, and the only thing that remnant that clue as to what happened to them was a carving into a tree with the year that they landed. It was carved in a tree, something like, I can't even remember the, the year, 15. 1570 or something and they they were nobody knows what happened to them so what i had originally heard about the melungeons was they was a blue indian and that there was a specific type of anemia when they were discovered that made them look a lot, way more pale than the rest of the uh uh original nations we'll say but now the Mormons, uh, they claim that there was basically white tribes here, and I forget which tribes they are. You know, they've got the uh, the different names of them in the Book of Mormon. But, you know, Joseph Smith tried to claim that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book, uh, and it couldn't even get the Lord's Prayer correct in Third uh, Nephi 13. There's a high, uh, a family of from Ohio that claims that they had an ancestor that wrote a book that named all those Nephites and Le whatever their name was in that book. And Joseph Smith, when he was a youngster, uh, saw a presentation up in near Palmyra, New York, by that guy in a church. And he plagiarized his book. And uh, so but I, I sort of can understand the 14-year-old with his dilemma. His dad's in one church, mom's in another, and dad and his uncles and family is all more uh, Masons. So he couldn't figure out which church to join. As one's going to hell and one ain't. What do I to go I go with mom's church? They're going to hell. And I grew up with that, 40 churches, and if you don't go to my church, you're going to hell. You know, that kind of crap. It doesn't do anything for Christians' credibility. But now this thousand-year reign thing makes a lot of sense from my studying of the scriptures because when the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., that was like the end of the world for those people. And that was a day of the Lord's judgment. And he told them, he told them to their ears while they were breathing, there's some standing here that will not taste death until the Son of Man comes. Now, did he lie? Did he pick the 12 slowest guys that he could pick to not finish going through all the towns of Judea before the Son of Man comes? I don't think so. When that's temple was sacked he was left as the way and that put him in his kingdom now if he's to reign a thousand hmm. years then that puts the uh what do you call it the uh muslims 
were running around kidnapping white people out of France and Spain. You know, these different imams wanted a thousand blonde virgins. The Jews were brokering the deals. The Barbary pirates were taking them to whichever, you know, uh, the Arab sheik that wanted them. And the slave trade was rampant way before America was even thought of. Now, they did find, and one of the things that's interesting is they did find a bag, a leather pouch of, of Roman coins near Louisville at the fall of the Ohio, uh, falls of the Ohio. When they started building a lock and dam system, they found a, a bag of Roman coins that was in a hmm. leather pouch. And the last I heard, Ohio State University still had a couple of those. Now, explain well, well, here- that one. Oh, well, no, those are good points. We're running out of time, though. Uh, any yeah. quick feedback, uh, David? Well, actually, they, they found uh, Phoenician coins. Uh, all kinds of strange artifacts have been found in America throughout the years. It's just not talked about. Uh, but no. uh, all kinds of things have been found over the years. And, and well, Mike, 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 Mike Sledge. I mean, well, no, Mike Sledge, did you want to comment at all? Yeah, I think he brings up some interesting points uh, from a scriptural point of view. The difference between uh, preterism and dispensationalism. And I think what he's trying to get at is, is that... Uh, the preterist point of view uh, is not talked about in most 501c3 or hardly any 501c3 Christian churches today. That, that everything that occurred in Revelation already occurred in the preterist uh, from the from the preterist point of view, and that it's already been fulfilled. Anyway, hey, well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, Mike Sledge, David Scorpio, thanks so much, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, thanks to all the callers. Uh, sorry uh, if we uh, couldn't give you more time. And, folks, please help out the station to keep all of this possible. RBN, the canary in the coal mine of free speech. And until next time, transcend the construct. Regards. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.